0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey everybody, welcome to the shithole. How you doing? Hey. First of all, I have a few announcements. If you see me starting to wilt, it's because it's 110 degrees in this room. I'm not kidding you. Modern buildings are such that no one can control the heat, and they must have the heat set. It's winter. Let's set the heat. So there's heat pouring in here. I'm dying. Okay, I've already taken off one layer. God forbid I am forced to take off another. That's all I'm saying. Stay tuned. One never knows since there's a lot of media history being created in the last 24 hours for one thing, shithole in um headlines around the world except, of course, here in Pittsburgh where, again, John Robinson Block, the publisher and editor-in-chief and heir to the Block fortune deemed the word offensive and thus could not be seen on his front page. If you read uh, the Post-Gazette, uh, you will find th- what the president actually said um, buried inside the paper. It is printed there. Um, I want to thank John Robinson Block for caring so much about my sensitivities and sensibilities Although I know what he's doing is simply protecting the guy he loves, Donald Trump. It made news all over that Pittsburgh did this. I'm not kidding. CNN uh, had a story out that talked about how papers all over the country were doing something they'd never done before. And then somewhere down near the bottom it said, Except Pittsburgh. Now I don't know who at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette uh is able to tweet things out on um on their Twitter account but somebody did and I would think that it would have to be somebody relatively high up which shows a little bit of a mutiny going on at uh the PG because the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Twitter, official Twitter, the one with the little blue check mark after it, tweeted this last night at about 7. Our publisher is requesting us to remove Donald Trump's vulgar language from the lead in our Associated Press story about his vulgar language. Language and uh, that went out. So somebody there uh, decided to publicly break with the publisher uh, on Twitter, which I find uh, interesting. Uh, the the immediate reaction was, of course, uh, as expected, um, and a lot of a lot of people who uh, are journalists, were stunned. And uh, Stan Saverin, who I consider a journalist, albeit a sports <laughs> journalist, but he's a damn good one. Stan Saverin uh, tweeted some, something very succinct that just said it all. He said, But the vulgar language is the story. Is the story? <coughs> you can't report a story if you can't <laughs> if you can't tell what the story was. Okay, but that's uh, neither here nor nor there. Um, it, nobody's surprised. If they are, if they haven't been paying attention. Um, it's dispiriting to say the least and Donald Trump's ability to destroy the standing of the United States in the world is breathtaking I mean I'll give him I'll give him credit he is one of the most, well, I don't, I'm going to say one. He is an exceptionally destructive human being. And, of course, what he's destroying is something dear to most of us. And what he's destroying is something that men and women have died for. i i um I cannot overstate how how vile this man is, but quite clearly, anyone who would even attempt to suggest that he is not a racist is uh well is not worthy then of being heard anymore it's over it's over. this is a guy who announced his quixotic, look-at-me, look-at-me, look-at-me run for the presidency uh, by calling Mexicans rapists and murderers. This is a guy who upped his public profile by regularly disparaging the President of the United States and suggesting that he was, in fact, not an American. This is a man who, first thing in office, tried to keep all Muslims out of the country. This is a man who David Duke adores. This is a man who, you'll recall, denounced both sides after the racist horror in Charlottesville. This is a man who... Strangely, seems to go out of his way to disparage people of color, black football players, gold star parents. This is a man who is a racist. And uh, for any who didn't acknowledge that before this, then here you go. Here you go. Recall, if you will, because it's hard, because El Destructo here keeps things going at such a chaotic pace that we can lose track of where we stood just 24 hours ago. But recall that in that meeting that he held with a bipartisan group of members of Congress, that he allowed cameras in for over an hour to show all of us what a stable genius he really was. How in control, how willing to listen, how empathic and kind. And he put on a wonderful display that sent some, of course, in our media, gaga. The president was really in control today. The president was clearly listening. This was a watershed moment. This was wonderful. They gave him a lot of credit. I recall the odd thing he said during that meeting that was so Trumpian, because it was a little off <laughs> and didn't seem to even make any sense but i have the quote here at one point he turned to all of these folks sitting around his table by the way steny hoyer steny hoyer democrat was seated to the president's immediate left and if you happen to cast your eyes on Stenny Hoyer, what a name, at any point uh, during the proceedings, here's what you saw. A look of disgust, of, of such discomfort being in such proximity to this despicable man and having to sit there and be party to this orchestrated photo op to prove his mental acuity. Anyway, at one point, the president said, I'll cover for you, right? I'll give you cover. I want to do this. We're going to do this. This is a bill of love. He repeated that like he tends to do. I want a bill of love. We're talking about the DACA thing. There was the president using the word love when they're talking about immigrants and DACA. A bill of love. That was the Trump who was acting. win a little piece on his reality show. And to show what a kind good-hearted soul is cut 24 hours later they come with a bill of love mr president here bipartisan we've worked this out and as they explained it to him the guy who wanted a bill of love starts saying things like what do we want all those haitians for we don't want those haitians and then when he hears africa why do we want people from shithole countries like that? So much for the bill of love. I said the other day I'm ashamed to be an American right now. I, I find it impossible to pledge my allegiance to this country in its current iteration I gag on the words of the Star-Spangled Banner. I take a knee. You know how this is playing overseas? Good God. At the UN, the condemnation has been just incessant. 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 Think of our... You know, we've got troops in Africa. You'll recall that a black troop of ours, a black man, was mutilated and killed recently under strange circumstances in Africa. I don't think they will be any safer in Africa now that Africans can say this is how Americans perceive us. You know it was so vile and vulgar what he said that there are countries and cultures in the in this world that didn't even know how to translate it for their readers for the people. And so you get a lot of very strange <laughs> a lot of strange let me let me find uh one if I can. Um in Asian countries, especially, where the culture is, I guess, more discreet. Germany, uh, shithole translates to, and this is, this sounds great. The thing about German is often sort of onomatopoeic. So, uh, shithole translates to Dreckslach. Dreckslach. Stephen and I were talking earlier about Yiddish being such a wonderful uh, language. And in Yiddish, which has a little, lot of German base to it, uh, dreck, dreck, is garbage. dreckslach which I guess sort of translates to garbage dump. Okay. Um, in France, uh, they just suggested that it was a... Vulgar is the new normal, uh, is what the French are saying about us. In Taiwan, (laughs) the translation is mind-boggling. What they said in Taiwan is that the president called uh, African countries countries where birds don't lay eggs. I don't understand that. And also in Japan, shithole was translated as countries that are dirty like toilets. Which is closer than where birds don't lay eggs. I don't... uh, uh, I don't know. God! God! You know, guys... (sighs) What else? Um, I want to again express my um, condolences to the folks at the Post Gazette, the people who work there, Uh, because working uh, under the (laughs) working under John Robinson Block would be would take a lot of joy out of what is a passion for the profession that I know so many people who work there have. And um, the fact that the official PG Twitter account actively said, we are being told we cannot do this by the publisher, shows a... I'd like to be a fly on the wall over there right now. Um, I saw on Twitter some people saying they were canceling their subscriptions. This coming after, of course, the editorial of of yesterday that was beyond belief, uh, supporting uh, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions' uh, intent to prosecute uh, marijuana users. Um I feel for them, but I saw people saying they were going to cancel their subscriptions. And I just want to say, I mean, I understand that impulse and I had it as well to make a point to hurt John Robinson block, but ultimately all that's hurting is those good reporters who are hanging on by their fingernails over there. Um, I can't do it to them so I'll continue to buy his paper under protest. (sighs) Also, I just want to say, and I have no idea if this had anything to do with this kerfuffle over at the uh, PG, that um, I received an email this morning from the Post-Gazette saying that they wanted to apologize, but that the delivery of the paper (coughs) would be, (coughs) excuse me, delayed today. Now, I don't recall ever getting something like that before. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh my God, I wonder if there was really, literally, a kind of fight that kept the paper from going to press, uh, when it was intended to. I would love to know that. Um, and it could well be that I got the email because something happened. And by the way, the paper was there. So they told me it was going to be delayed and then it wasn't delayed. <coughs> I suspect some trouble over at the PG. Uh, the fact that the tweet came out. The fact that I got that email, uh, the fact that the Post-Gazette becomes one of the few newspapers in the country uh, that wouldn't put what was a page one above the fold story on page one above the fold. Um, I would think that the morale of the people at the Post-Gazette would be about as low as as it has ever been, and believe me, it's been low. So my heart goes out to you guys. And if there was a rebellion there uh, yesterday, um, I like that. And I think you should do it some more. Oh, don't bite the hand that feeds us. feeds you. You'd be biting the hand that keeps you starving. Are they still uh, trying to work out an agreement with their union right now, as far as we know? I mean, John Robinson Block, million, 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 millionaire, has been taking money out of the pockets of his reporters and um, others on his staff for over a decade now uh, vile but then he's a trump voter oh, God. one other thing and then i'm going to bring a guest in okay when i use words like vile I realize I, you know, I gotta up my, I gotta look at the thesaurus and get some more. I I should just have a a list of of synonyms here for vile because I have to use it every, loathsome, I know I've used quite a bit. I saw uh, Senator Blumenthal had a good one the other day that I, for some reason, isn't in my, readily in my, on my word list, which is odious. That's a good one. Um,. But yesterday, lest you think this president doesn't do anything other than put his foot in his mouth, the Republican Party, which continues to aid and abet him, and his racism, and his vulgarity, continue to do stuff that hurts Americans, that hurts the least of us. And it is, again, breathtaking, the level of their meanness. Paul Krugman in today's New York Times puts it a little, even more so than that. He literally says that Republicans are sadists. That they obviously love torturing poor people. They love taking what little they have and taking it away. His piece is called Dollars, Cents, and Republican Sadism. He says, they always say it's about the money. He said, but no, 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 no. It's about cruelty. Cruelty. And over the past few years, it has become increasingly clear that the suffering imposed by Republican opposition to all the programs that give the poor a bit of a safety net, that their constant opposition those ameliorating programs is a feature of their very essence. And what it's about is inflicting pain and punishment. And what is the crime? The crime is being poor. You know, If you ever manage to hear, be with a Republican who's willing to openly talk about this kind of stuff, you will hear a picture of poor people, which is exactly that, which is cruel. The assumption by Republicans that people are poor because they are shiftless, because they are lazy, And if they would just get up and work. Of course this flies in the face of reality, this cartoon picture they hold so dear. I have said over and over and over again, and I know it is truth that I say, that the hardest working people I have ever known are poor. A single mother who works two, three jobs. None with benefits. Maybe the only health insurance she had was for her kids on CHIP. What have the Republicans done with CHIP? They hate poor people. Poor people are an affront to their sensibilities. Krugman, this isn't about saving money. It's about any. What he's talking about is their newfangled idea that they're going to, if somebody is on Medicaid, they want him to work for it. It doesn't matter that the vast majority of people on Medicaid are working. And if they aren't working, they're not working because they're disabled, which was what allows them to qualify for Medicaid. Krugman says, and he's right on the money, it's all about stigmatizing those who receive government aid forcing them to jump through hoops to prove their neediness. The pain is the point. Making poor people worse off has apparently become one of the leading uh, policy uh, points of the modern-day Republican Party. And I encourage anyone to suggest otherwise. New York Times opinion today, peace. This new Medicaid policy is uh, doing what Republicans often do, attempting to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Two-thirds of Medicaid recipients are either seniors, disabled, or children. Hey, let's get rid of the child labor laws and put those little kids to work. We can put them back in those coal mines we're going to open. So two-thirds are elderly, disabled, or children. The remaining third of Medicaid recipients, 80% of them are in families where one person has a job. This change is just about what Krugman said, creating a bureaucratic obstacle to keep poor people from getting Medicaid. This will have one effect and one effect only. It will damage people <coughs> Excuse me, who are already the most vulnerable people in our, in, our, in our country. Imagine some guy struggling with an opioid addiction in a small town or a rural area. And he's told, you can't get your Medicaid unless you get a job. And there aren't any jobs. There aren't any jobs, none that he can qualify for. It'll hurt people who through no fault of their own lost their jobs or are not able to quickly find another one. Maybe because their skills now don't fit. Cruelty. That is the mantra of this despicable, odious, loathsome, evil, grand old party. Roger reminds us that didn't we learn from Mitt Romney that 47% of Americans are takers? That's true, and let us recall now that Mitt Romney's being held up as the salvation of the Republican Party. A man with a heart. Let us recall, Roger, thank you very much, how he holds the same Republican is an absolute bedrock principle of modern Republicanism that poor people are leeches They worship at the altar of Ayn Rand. And she didn't mince words. They're takers. They're losers. And us hardworking taxpayers are supposed to somehow, what, give them money? This is how Republicans think. Lynn says, Chuck, Watching the news last night, I just have to say there's a special place in hell for those who continue to defend this president. His surrogates are unbelievable. Also, David Letterman's new show dropped on Netflix. Uh, The show is called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. Its first guest was Barack Obama. Um I, I read a review somewhere where they said it was not neither a man was up to his usu- what he's capable of that nothing special about the Letterman Obama uh interview uh you can decide for yourself it's uh it's up on Netflix I have not seen it Okay enough I want to bring in a woman Whoop. well what she do supposed to do sit on uh, sit on the uh, floor hey trait Tracy, grab that chair and drag it around, if you can. We make our guests do uh, physical labor, move furniture. Uh, Tracy will also be dusting off the table when she uh, leaves, because you got to come over here, dearie. but not so clean. Huh? I cook, but people don't really Thank you. It's such a pleasure to meet you. You
1: don't have to put those on unless we get calls. We have met many times. Our children went to school together at Linden Academy. I was your PTA president. <laughs> I got to tell you something. I was your PTA president. Oh shit.
0: You know, <laughs> welcome to my life. I embarrass myself w- w- with regularity by saying to people and we you know, I'll, I'll be at a party and someone will say, "Do you know um Lynn, I'd like you to, you know, the, the person will say, Well, I know Lynn after I just said, I don't know you. I'm my, so sorry. My children
1: are, um, my Isha Baton Nia Baton and Tendiwe Baton I think Tandy went to school with your child. With Sam. With Sam. Tandy died a couple years ago. <gasps> and I think you might have. No. I mean,
0: I no. But, um, yeah, no.
1: The, they, but, yeah, that's, that's, um,. And I, I think we've met in other circumstances too. I grew up in Pittsburgh. So.
0: Well, you know, I was a bad mom in that I was <laughs> just not that act. I didn't. I don't remember ever going to a PTA meeting. Yeah, I saw you at stuff. <laughs> no, you, you did. did. I, I'm a witness. I didn't go to a. You're a witness. I'm well, a witness. let see, but that's because I stand out because you knew who I was. But, well, but I, I stand, stand out because it's mostly why. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me wait. Some I've been. Said that uh, Tracy and your is it pronounced Baton? No, it's Baton, like the thing you twirl. I wondered, and the city in
1: Louisiana. Yes, Baton. Yes. Do you twirl? As I a child, I was made to, but I thought it was embarrassing. Actually, <laughs> Hannah Green was freed from slavery in 1835. The next record we have of our family, her name was Hannah Baton. She was freed in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. She moved to Maryland. Ah, So we believe she took that name as her name, left the green name, and then married a man whose name was only William. So that name has passed through men to me. But how wonderful. And my son-in-law took my name.
0: How wonderful. Because so many many blacks go through life
1: with their slave (laughs) owners' (laughs) names. Right, exactly. What's going on with you two? I just teased him. I said my white son-in-law took my name when I got married. Okay. a good white boy. But he loves me, so it's okay.
0: This is Tracy Baton, a woman I know for
1: a long, long time. Our children went to school together at Lyndon Academy. Yes, our children went to school together at Lyndon Academy for many years. I think I had a child there for 15 years. Um, but I was a stay-at-home mom who was then... Um, on the board of ten thousand villages, and on the board of Pittsburgh oh, so Men's Night, and helping <laughs> at the Merton Center. You do a lot of good I work. I thought of that as doing nothing. Friends had to help me realize that that was not called doing nothing. Okay. Well, I am told that um, uh,
0: you are a former Fulbright scholar. I am.
1: Um, who I lived
0: I in South Africa? I sure did. Uh, so you spent your Fulbright scholarship in that shithole?
1: Um, I actually went to South Africa twice as a scholar of the United States government as um, a Fulbright Fellowship. And South Africa, I can't speak for all of Africa only from photographs, but I'll tell you my experience of South Africa. It is beautiful and cosmopolitan. The beaches are astonishing. The mall is fabulous. And oppression is rampant. It is a real place and it is one of the places where our strategic minerals come from, it is a place where most of us have electronics in our home that are sustained by the blood and work of black South Africans who bring us all of those things, in addition to beautiful culture and music. Africa sustains the United States. And the United States sustains Africa. We are one world.
0: Uh, yeah, but the president says that that Africans live in huts,
1: The president's speech is built on the fact that racism was built into his campaign from the beginning. It's not decorative. It's not a scarf that we can discard at this point. It is the core engine that moves his movement forward. At the center of his movement is hate and racism. It may extend from women to people of color to immigrants, but at the center of it is a racist project. And he knows that he can move people by triggering the hate and wounds of white Americans. And he triggers their own insecurities, their own fears, and he can gain power from that. Most traditions tell us that hate uh, can move people, that evil can move people and most traditions say turn away from that and and I'm beyond frustrated that people don't want to practice turning away from hating your brother and your neighbor and seeing the essential oneness of humanity. It is
0: amazing it is
1: amazing how resistant so many,
0: I have to uh, tell me if you agree with this that the one thing Donald Trump's presidency has done is taken the Americans I mean, you knew but <clears throat> white America, a lot of white America never acknowledged just like a lot of men never acknowledged women's pain which is, there. he is flushing out so much of the toxins that we can see ourselves more clearly
1: now. The mythology pulled away.
0: Yes. That's something
1: people search for the right metaphor. I've heard rip off the band aid, but somehow that seems too small. A band aid hardly covers no. this. I oftentimes think of a woman I knew who was an ER doctor explaining about a veteran coming in and ripping off a wound and realizing it was full of maggots. And that is exactly what he's uncovered It's sort of a wound full of maggots. Like <clears throat> it is, and maggot is my favorite metaphor. For a while, I was saying pig, but you know, bacon has redeeming value, and so I'm I'm to maggot because I, I, I really. But even that, a maggot is an opportunity to cleanse that which is deeply wounding and poisonous to the body. So yes, he this it is ripped off. I no longer have white people turn to me and say, "What do you mean there's still racism?" And yes, that does happen, or it did. No, it cannot happen How can you say people are racist? That is not nice. Okay. It is a tiny advantage that that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, looking for a silver lining anywhere I can find it. (laughs) God almighty. But here's the thing, too. Um, Well. There are two
1: things, though, I want to say about this thing with Africa before we move on, because we have other things to talk about. Yeah, we have other things we have to talk about. um, There are two levels in which the... No, many levels, but the ones that hurt my heart the most about his comments are that our relationships with those countries are an important part of U.S. defense, security, ongoing relationships. Those immigrants have made extraordinary contributions to our country and continue to be a vital part of the American scene. All of those things. The other thing, though, is I am actually a (coughs) psychotherapist who works with African-American kids for a Community Empowerment Agency in Homewood and McKeesport. African-American children need to understand in Africa that they can believe in that's their history Irish children get the Irish festival we don't have funding anymore for libraries to have storytellers there used to be a TV show the Azizi show when I was a child I was on the Azizi show she was my godmother she told storytells on WPXI every Sunday morning there were resources to teach kids Africa those resources don't exist anymore so not only do they hear this vile repugnant I like repugnant Repugnant. Uh, um, not only do they hear this repugnant narrative about Africa they don't have a replacement narrative so as us we're older so we can say we know Africa's not like this it is like that but it makes it all the more urgent for children of color to have culturally appropriate education and therapy around how they connect to their own truth So there were lots of reasons. I was mad. Like people were Facebooking me mad and being mad. And I've got to say last night, I was so sad. I was just sad. Because I heard little kids hearing that. And that's the hardest part of it for me. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: He is the most destructive force. Yes. Okay, we got to get rid of him. Yes, absolutely. One way or the other. I mean, this man has got to go. The Republicans have got to go because they aid and abet. They're complicit as all hell. And everything I was saying about their godforsaken party is true.
1: Oh, so I think, I think that we have to push back and say no, but we also have to say yes. We have to say yes to unity principles. We have to say yes to the idea that our liberation is bound to each other. We have to say yes to the idea that we need to understand our brother and reach out to them and make some changes. This is not, oh, that person over there is a hater. That hate is part of a system that all of us are bound into and we need to like step deeply into understanding that too. Mm. So our... I... Okay.
0: Last night, out of the White House, and CNN was reporting this, came... They don't, they don't give a damn about all of us freaking out about this mm-hmm. because, as they said, the guy in the White House said, who I don't know, but you know it's true, his base is going to love this. It speaks to their grievances, their hate. It speaks to their hate. I'm supposed to... I, I don't feel like I have time to, to
1: deal with those... Broken, ignorant. Well, it triggers them to not see that their oppression, their poverty, is tied to the oppression and poverty of people of color. I was in rural. I went to see the eclipse this summer, and I was in rural Tennessee. Of all the places that nice black girls from the Hill District don't really belong. And I got broke down on the side of a road in front of an accident and a white woman came rushing out of her car, handed me my baby and went, her babies, and went running to the accident scene saying, we don't have no insurance, we have minimum wage lives, there ain't no minimum wage insurance. That woman's liberation, her children with no insurance, her dirty car, her husband on the road who was going home without ever going to the hospital. One of those people had a Duck Dynasty t-shirt on. I'm sure none of them were having me over to dinner. And this kind of rhetoric helps them not vote with the women in Pittsburgh who also want to take care of their families and their children. And in the end, this is hate and money and power all tied up. I'm not going to just say it's the money or it's the racism. I think they are of a thing. It's the power. So when we tell that woman in Tennessee, you can at least hate on people of color, she doesn't look around that they are essentially her sister, she needs to vote with them.
0: If you can figure out how to get these people to understand that, that it's more of a socioeconomic situation going on, that they have
1: more in common with the very people that they disparage. Who was it, Lyndon Johnson? I didn't think I'd be quoting Lyndon Johnson this well, morning. Who said something like, "If you tell the poorest white man that he's better than the best black man, he'll help you." That's but that is what it you. is. But that is what that it is. that is what it is. Right. And Trump needs to cover something up today. So this drama was not. It was evil, vile, transformative, painful. All the things that were wrong, but it was also. A distraction from changes in the election DACA everything we're talking about the racist that That's we right. knew he was the that, day before you're, right. you're absolutely he right. was a racist yesterday he was a racist last week he was a racist when I said it you're absolutely 2016 right. in the parking lot of a Walmart and got told off 20 for it 2017 I registered voters and helped young adults register voters before the election and in parking lots and Walmarts when I would ask white men sir Would you like to register to vote in my best perky and appealing vote? The America, I knew they might have said, no, thank you. But in Trump's America, those white men looked at my black face and said, no, why would I do that? And I knew something was wrong. That is why I went from there to working for the um, ACLU at the polls to being the first person not surprised the day of the election. It was those white men who rejected the notion that voting was an essential democratic process that I should participate in. Tracy Baton. Tracy Baton.
0: Like so many of us, strong feelings about what's happening in this country and where it should go, but unlike a lot of us, she starts working. You start actively trying to do something about it so i know that there is a march that is planned here in the dead of winter yeah couldn't have found a nicer climate kind of thing to take on the president tracy uh, baton is um
1: the director of what is being called the the women's march on washington pittsburgh okay So we are the Pittsburgh branch of the Women's March on Washington. As as we were that. As we were last year. People want (laughs) to say the Women's March on Pittsburgh. But we are in the greatest city in the world and one of the most liberal. We have our difficulties here, but we are not truly a city that needs marched upon. We are a city that needs to turn our power together. Mm -hmm. such a blessing to be here and say to Washington, things need to change. So you're calling – tell us about the – Well, a year ago following the elections, people get rose closer up – the, the march was pretty magical. Um, the city came forward and said, we need to stand and we need to stand together. And it was cold and nobody cared. I don't remember anybody saying it was cold. Today. I don't even remember it was cold. Um, I, was, I was there and I was blown away. The, the city stood up and said, this is what we need to do. We came out, we made signs, we spread, but more important than that day, maybe not more important than that day, but part of what that day created was a cadre of women around the city and some men who have decided that it's really what they need to do to work in grassroots organizing, to stand up, not for politics and politicians, but policies and people. And it is those new emergent grassroots organizers that blow my mind. I'm inspired every morning when I get up by, and they are broke, working hard, and saying these are the policies that matter in our communities. We don't know if they always align with a politician, so politicians have to make different compromises. But those grassroots organizers stand up all the time. Like Jill Washburn-Hibbling, Jill runs Tuesday with Toomey and has been out there every Tuesday. Jill organizes to me, has to personally be completely sick of Jill. That makes me so happy and proud to know her. Jill has not just done the physical work of standing out there; she does the intellectual work of posting on Facebook and other social media why sh- people should care about complex bills that th- oftentimes i don't understand until she tells me or she finds somebody and she 's not discouraged by the fact that it doesn't seem to have any impact on to me on his positions it has made an it has made an impact insofar as he doesn't dare go further than he has. So, for example, um, the day that Toomey did meet with five Pittsburghers, I was one of them. And one of the questions that he, I asked him was about Steve Bannon and his role in the White House. Um, he said, I don't know who Steve Bannon is. I've never heard of him. To what? My face, what? Yes, he really did. What? Yes. He said, I don't know about Steve Bannon. Why should I know anything about him? And I was able to say, well, Senator Toomey, I'm a Fulbright fellow and I'm probably qualified to write you a briefing. I'll send it to you. So I did. So then he couldn't say that anymore. I mean, the thing about it is, we, is that setting limits and standing up matter. But these things don't happen in a week. They don't happen in a day. He has a six-year term. But if we are not out there every day, maybe for six years, he, his ideas about the kind of oligarchic, state with centralized wealth will prevail there is no question that he is seeking a state where wealth is concentrated in the hands of the very very few and the rest of us get very very little where Um, is the
0: humanity in these people what i want to know is
1: where is the patriotism where is the they have no respect for the work of the greatest generation where where is (coughs) the um i just and the moment of the greatest difference in wealth between the rich and the poor, if I'm not mistaken, in the United States was what, 1917, mm. 1918, once mm-hmm. the stock market crash. I mean, what will happen, every action of the Republicans is uncomfortable for me or you or those of us who are sort of middle class. But for vulnerable populations, this is already rolling in as beyond imagining. And circling back to living in South Africa, I lived in South Africa. South Africa has the kind of differences between the rich and the poor predicated on race that we are rolling towards. Right. And I will tell anyone who thinks they will be advantaged by them, we spend more on private security there than you'd ever spend uh-huh. on taxes here. You cannot, if you live in a world where your neighbors are so poor that they cannot feed your family, it will fundamentally transform America. We will be a, a country of gated The walls will go walls. up. There
0: will be more. That is I not
1: our country. We, right. we live in a country, and Pittsburghers know. We fought that battle at Braddock. We fought that battle with our unions. The the Fricks left. They got tired of us. We had to send the Trumps to the same way. Um, Pittsburgh is a city where once we had those enormous differences between the rich and the poor, and children had protein malnutrition in our streets. Um, in Africa, you call it kwashiorkor, where babies have big bellies and skinny legs. And we had children that poor. And then income t- tax came in, and we said, no, people shouldn't be that poor. We should feed the poor.
0: Here's Lyndon Johnson's quote. Somebody sent it. Thank Not you. I'll tell you what's at the bottom of it. If you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell. Give him somebody to look down on, and he'll even
1: empty his pockets for you. Yeah. And that is the engine. That is the sad and painful engine that Trump knows when he says these things that he is rolling out. So, more importantly, though, the Women's March. The Women's March means that all of our coalition, the Women's March is about a broad umbrella. Our unity principles really step up and try to say that our liberation needs to reach out to each other and i believe passionately that under that umbrella we also need to reach out to the polls to change this we've got to vote we've got to get people to vote um and we've got to get people to vote in new ways there is substantive evidence that the russians were interfering in our election process and everyone talks about that in the past tense (laughs) The Russians are continuing to interfere in our elections. Why would they not? It worked pretty well. I get Facebook requests in Russian, friend requests in Russian. Is that not scary? That is really scary. Like I screenshot Facebook friend requests in Russian. The Russians substantively interfered in our elections and are still doing so. Unless we reach out and talk to our neighbors about voting, someone is going to talk to them subtly about why they shouldn't. Every Facebook meme that says to people you shouldn't trust your friends and family, you shouldn't trust your government. For example, things like memes around vaccination seem to show but also discourage people from voting. Um, There are simple things though that we can do. In Pennsylvania, many people don't know that if you're an adjudicated offender and you're on the street, you can vote. Yes. Feet in the street means you can vote. That's right. You'd be amazed if you go out there on the street and tell people. Most of the people here, or if they are listening, if they tell ten people that today, they can get one more person to vote. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's your assignment. Voters' registration is as simple as one at a time. It's really – I think that as Democrats, we've oftentimes done it wrong by trying to do voters' registration a few weeks before the election in a panic-stricken way without serving those communities and substantively reaching out. Voters' registration needs to start now so that when communities say, hey, we're not voting because of X or Y, there's time and space to do something about X and Y, and that we don't say it's too late to help your problem vote for us. Voters' registration needs to be every day is Voters' Registration Day if this is going to be a participatory democracy. And voters' registration is all of our jobs, not any one job. So is that the Women's March is, is focusing on, on that? The Women's March this year is vo- focusing on taking our power to the polls and the way the grassroots organizers have brought people together around issues so they can take those powers to the polls. So we will be having a voter's registration, some online training material at the march itself. We'll talk to people about not how to get registered to vote, but how to get their friends and neighbors registered registered. to vote, how to transform themselves into voter's registrars. How to become and each of us, if each of us can get to her, and on the day of the vote, getting people to yeah. The that polls, well, that's the thing. You can register people, but you got to get them out. In Alabama, it was shown that part of the extraordinary mm-hmm. effort was driving people to the polls. Yeah. Um, and I think that in upcoming elections, that's going to really matter. We've got an upcoming election that's really, really going to matter.
0: Are you going to be working on this uh, congressional campaign?
1: The question about working on the congressional campaign and the women's march are in some way two different things. So you've got the question of, is Tracy Baton going to help with the congressional campaign? And probably yes. The women's march of Pittsburgh will support voters registration, but we don't endorse candidates.
0: No, I understand. I understand.
1: Um I guess in rare circumstances. Yeah, I don't think we endorse any candidates, but we don't endorse candidates. So the. I will do some help with the Connor Lamb campaign because I feel strongly that we should take that district and that despite its being gerrymandered it needs to represent Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, if you look at that district on a map, and it's worth it. If you haven't oh, looked at, at it, look yeah. at it. The interesting thing to me about it is the very definition of gerrymander has to do with looking like, like a, a salamander. salamander. And that right. thing looks just, just like, like a, a salamander. salamander. There's no there's question about it.
0: <coughs> the, the PG actually had um, the districts the other day, a map. And as ridiculous as that district is in Western PA, there's one in Eastern PA that is mind boggling mind boggling there is no way that should be a district anyway my god we're out of time so, i want you to run
1: well one more note trump is coming right. on thursday my understanding is that the he president is? will be here on thursday why we to support that campaign we there is there is this as of this morning we have people are starting to figure out what to do about trump coming on thursday
0: you know where he's gonna be uh,
1: he'll be somewhere he won't be in Allegheny County he'll be he will Mm -hmm. Allegheny County yes yes we will organize look on Facebook I suppose I'll be figuring it out like uh, I had to get my kid to the dentist and then figure out Trump and then make it here so you know that's that's how we do it
0: okay here's what I want in my dreams I want a a black woman president A black women Congress a black woman candidate, because black women are you, that demographic has held firm against all of this crap, more so than any other. And I'm sorry, I just tip my hat to the black women
1: in this world. Most of and us were raised by black women. Black women were raised by black women. People <laughs> ask me, why do I do this? I was raised by black women, they haunt me.
0: Well, you know what though? I'm thinking of all those, all those white people down south that were raised by black women, and all the rich folks who were raised by black women in their homes,
1: right? Well, a lot of white people have an interesting story on their shelves about how that racism. It's called the little. What is that? the Secret Garden? At the beginning of that book, it talks about how her white parents taught her to oppress the black staff. It's a fascinating thing. Anyone who wants to teach some anti-racism to a child today, pull that out, read the first chapter, and discuss it. The Secret Garden. Okay. Well, you are... I ain't never going to forget about you
0: again. Um, (laughs) Wow. You're something. It was nice meeting you. Okay. The march is on the 21st. Absolutely. 21st (laughs) of this month. Mm -hmm. I will not be in town at a wedding, family. So... January 21, January 21, guys, put it
1: on your calendar. Be there. You can be a guy and go. Absolutely. We went, guys. We want women. Our liberation is bound to each other's. Indeed. Tracy Baton for president. <laughs> I don't think so. That's all I have to say. Tracy Baton Tra- for Nana.
0: Tracy Baton. I know she's juggling a lot of balls and stuff, but sh- I think she can handle the presidency
1: Seriously. now I'm going to be a Nana April 1st. That's oh. what I'm looking forward to. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You Thank humble you. me.
0: You guys, be half, be a tenth as active and committed as this woman, and we're going to be okay. Seriously. Lynn Cullen Live.